welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. I hope everyone is having an absolutely blessed day today. And I've been doing some research this morning. I want to start off with this. I'm going to get Dad's opinion on it here in a second. I've been seeing a lot of information. There's an article in Breitbart this morning that was actually very interesting, and it discussed the Soros-backed coalition preparing for a post-election day chaos. Now, you guys heard the interview yesterday that I brought up and Dad played for you with Newt Gingrich on Fox discussing how George Soros is funneling money to these hardcore district attorneys and mayors to get them elected and seated, and then basically so they can push their agenda. And he was immediately cut off. It was actually a very disturbing interview, to be honest with you. It's rare you hear something like that, even on national television, because they control the narrative so well, they rarely ever have anybody that discusses that. But Newt apparently felt that he needed to get the truth out, and he did. That being said, the article on Breitbart here is discussing there's a group, a huge group now, a coalition of 80 advocacy groups calling themselves, the whole group calling themselves Protect the Results, and apparently they're claiming they're going to prevent a constitutional crisis. And what they are, it's a massive network of very, very heavily funded left-wing activist and progressive groups that are, and I quote, training, organizing, and planning to mobilize millions of Americans should President Trump contest the election results and refuse to concede. Now, what's interesting about this is it goes into detail in this article saying that they're going to protect the election results by use of its millions of members, and then it goes on to discuss who's involved in it, and it basically says that these groups, which a large percentage, a large percentage of them are funded through, Bill, or, uh, through George Soros, including his coalition groups like Move On, Women's March, the Working Families, the Center for Popular Democracy, plus many more over 50 different local partners in 32 states. This is a very, very well-funded and very, very uh, well-coordinated group. I would give them that. They're discussing the fact that they've already, the, one of their donors already donated over $80 million this year to the group in order to keep funding this. And this is what I told you guys months ago when the riot started. I said, how are these rioters paying for their rent? They're not working. They're out riding all night long. You've got to sleep during the day in order to be you know, pre- prepared to ride all night. Who's paying for their food? Who's paying for their cell phones? Who's paying for all their gear? Who's paying for their expensive gas mask and their fireworks? Who's paying for all that? These people obviously can't have a job. You can't have a job going out at 6 or 7 o'clock at night and staying out till 4 or 5 in the morning, vandalizing, looting, and burning stuff, and then basically sleeping all day. You can't have any type of legitimate job. So how are these people continuing to riot for months and months and months on end, like we saw in Portland and other cities? Well, there has to be some type of funding, and that's where we started to dig through, and we found these groups, how they're doing so. Now, it's interesting. I talked to a buddy of mine about this last night, and this is a possible scenario. A lot of people have kind of talked about this, but from what I've seen from this coalition now, what they're priming people to do, we already know the absentee ballots and the mail-in voting and all these other things are basically getting them put in place. Now, I'm not going to sit here and argue that, you know, Trump basically is going to save us all if he gets reelected, because I'm not on that boat. You guys already know that. I'm a very big, strong realist about what people actually do. Now, it appears to me, and a lot of other people are starting to look at this now, is what 
they may possibly be doing. Again, this is speculation, but this is what I'm starting to get out of this from what they're gearing up. They're going to blatantly, blatantly, the left is going to blatantly manipulate and do ballot fraud in order to try to get Biden illegally elected through fraudulent means. And then as soon as anybody questions the voter fraud, as soon as anybody calls out the blatant fraudulent activity, they're immediately going to say, Trump's refusing to concede. We have to overthrow this president. He basically will not step down, even though he was voted out, even though the votes are going to be completely erroneous, as we saw many of times where you have dead individuals voting, you have more voters in a county that are registered. <laughs> you know, there's 90,000 voters registered in some, you know, county in California, yet there's 120,000 votes for one of the Democratic leaders. Stuff like that's very prevalent. So the only reason why this group would be coming out right now and saying that they're putting this massive coalition together of millions of people and they're planning on coming in and organizing and training to mobilize millions of Americans should President Trump contest the election results and refuse to concede tells me one thing. They're going to do it either way. If Trump actually legitimately wins, they're going to say he cheated and it's voter fraud and they have to do a full-blown communist coup of this country if biden wins through election fraud and anybody questions it which we obviously know people will they're going to do a full-blown attempted communist coup of this country either way it's going to go sideways and this is why i think yesterday it makes more sense now why we ended up seeing um the one individual we talked about in detail yesterday uh michael caputo who came out and said, listen, after the election, you guys should already have ammunition stocked up. You guys should already be prepped up. Because there's a high probability that this communist revolution is going to go full-blown sideways. We already have in Ohio now. Ohio legislators are already now because they said there's been over 40 people shot and 21 fatalities in the last 15 days in September. Well, here's the question about that. Why is this happening? Well, when you start defunding law enforcement and you start telling law enforcement they're basically all pigs and we're not going to listen to you, and you start having the district attorney come in and release people from jail even though they've been arrested on incitement charges and harassment charges, and you drop the charges on them and you let them go back on the street, you're going to have violent mayhem. That's obvious. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Well, now they're already pushing for expanded red flag gun laws. Oh, and of course, the one and only, a new private sale background check process. This is the full-blown registration process. They want everybody to register a firearm or else you're committing a felony if you sell a firearm from me to you and we don't do a background check. This is de facto registration. So Ohio's trying to push us now because they're having violence due to what they started. They're trying to restrict law-abiding citizens from owning firearms. Another incident in Milwaukee now, and this is something that was very troubling. A man who's in his home had Trump signs, had American flags all over his house. They arrested him two nights ago in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, after he reportedly pointed a firearm at a crowd through his window in his house that was closed up of a Black Lives Matter protesters that were gathered in front of his house. Now, it's interesting about this. Law enforcement showed up, and they arrested him for endangering safety by use of a dangerous weapon while under the influence of an intoxicant. Said he was drunk while he had the firearm. They also said they charged him with disorderly conduct while armed. 
Now, here's the troubling thing about this. Now, I'm not going to try to defend somebody recklessly using a firearm or brandishing a firearm, especially while intoxicated. I don't think that's smart. You should not be handling firearms at all if you decide to drink alcohol. I'm going to put that out there. You, if you're going to handle firearms, you need to be 100% sober. I'll, that's it. That's all I'm going to say on that. The weird part about this video, and I encourage some people to watch it. This is what was very troubling. The man was inside of his home. Okay, He was inside of his home. He never stepped out of his home. He pulled his blinds up, and there's about 100 BLM you know, terrorist protesters outside of his house with loudspeakers and floodlights aiming through his window. And that's why they lit him up through the window, the floodlight. And one of the protesters even says, when the man pulls up an AR-15 and he's holding it, the protester gets on a loudspeaker and says, you're going to have bigger problems, man. I advise you think twice. I don't think you know what's out here, buddy. And then the man inside the home proceeds to chamber around in his AR-15. So law enforcement showed up, and they showed a video to law enforcement, the, the rioters did, and uh, the terrorist rioters. They showed a video of him holding the AR-15 and pointing it through the window, not opening the window. So they said that was basically uh, brandishing a firearm, and then they talked to the guy who's intoxicated. They arrested him. Now, here's what's crazy now. We're now reaching a point in society where we're allowing groups, not only allowing them, protecting them and endorsing groups to go into neighborhoods to shine floodlights into your home, which last time I would check, that's harassment. I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's legal. I don't know Wisconsin. I don't know Minneapolis or uh, basically Milwaukee. But I know in most cases you cannot go up to people's houses and shine floodlights through their windows without any type of just cause. And then having a megaphone and making veiled threats to them while they're in their home and they brandish a firearm. The fact that this man was arrested was grossly troubling to me and it shows me that in most cases now the side of the law enforcement is starting to fall onto the terrorist protesters because law enforcement has become so overwhelmed and has been so beaten down they're so sick of dealing with these guys it's easier just to capitulate than it is to consistently keep fighting them and this is what happens with the communist agenda it becomes so egregious so violent so aggressive so nightmarish that people are willing to give in and capitulate because the communists have no bounds they will stop at no limits. They will prevent nothing from happening. They will cause as much violence and chaos as possible until people give in to their demands. This is the communist mantra. So it's sad to see this happen. And again, so I encourage everybody, make sure if you have this incident happen, you know your laws very well. And secondly, do not point a firearm at anybody unless you absolutely have to use it. That's gun safety 101. Carrying a firearm in your home is not illegal. Having a firearm visible in your home is not illegal in Florida, from what I know. If you start pointing a firearm at people, that's a completely different story. Now, I didn't even know you could get arrested for this by doing it in your own home while you have rioters outside of your home harassing and intimidating you. I didn't know that. But... That being said, know your laws because I promise you, these incidences are not going to be contained to small, you know, as far as problems. They're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The longer that people capitulate, they support them, and they continue to give in to this idiotic, terroristic, communist nightmare that they're trying to infiltrate and push on the American public debt. You know, Austin... Yeah, let's go back to the first story you covered as far as with Newt Gingrich uh, yesterday on Fox. We have to understand that Fox is also owned by the Kabbalists. 
that they control 95% of the media and that it's just another source of information that they use for pure propaganda. That's all it is. I hate to rain on y'all's parade about Fox News and I even hate to rain on your parade about, you know, about Tucker. But, yeah, but we gotta, but we gotta realize, guys, that this whole thing is a giant, he said, she said, communist mantra. I covered this in detail yesterday. Please listen to yesterday's show. It's probably one of the best ones I've ever done because I took apart mainstream narrative columns. I took apart alt columns and I said, both of these are compromised. Here's what they're doing. And I actually named the names of the people who had written the columns. Some of these left-wing columnists are being promoted on alternative news websites. And they're, they're straight communists, and they're being pushed through the alt-media. So you have to ask yourself, why? And it's because of the yin and the yang and the energy fields that are being produced by this. Because these, remember, the Kabbalists, these guys at the top levels, they're wizards. They're basically weirdos, but they're wizards. So they're kind of like Merlin the Wizard, you know, you talk about that, you know, with King Arthur. I mean, this is, he, he probably was a real figure that someone started talking about and he was doing all of this magic and everything else. Never forget that when Moses threw his staff down and his staff turned into a snake, that the Pharaoh's magicians, wizards, threw their staff down and it turned into a snake. These guys have power over the energy fields on the planet. The problem they have is with us. They don't have any power over us. When you're the blood-bought child of the redeemed, they don't have power over you. They can't do anything to you without your permission. And that really bothers them because we become a hindrance. I was speaking to a friend of mine this morning, and they she used to do house cleaning, you know, which is a really hard profession. And I really admire women and guys or whatever go out and do that because it's a lot of work. And she was actually doing house cleaning for this lady who was a full-blown witch. And she said to her and her partner, the other housekeeper, they would go in there and they would pray the whole time, just pray the whole time they were in the house. And finally the witch called up her boss and said, I don't want that crew back here again. In other words, she was bothering the energy field in the house. And so they didn't want her back in there with the energy field and affecting it years ago. We were looking at some property up in North Georgia. And I remember I drove, we were going down a road, and I felt just an overwhelming presence of evil come on me as we're driving. And it was gone within a few minutes, a few seconds after we went through a certain area. And I told Sharon, I said, something bad has happened here at one point in time. It could have been with the Civil War. It could have been with the lynching. Something bad happened right there. And I felt it. And many of you listening right now, you go, yeah, I felt that too. You know, I know what you mean. Another time we went into a house and we were basically looking at to buy the house in that same area and I walked in and I felt the same thing again. I told Sharon, I walked in and I looked at the realtor and I said, I'm not going to buy this house. I don't even want to look at this house. I want to leave. She goes, why? I said, something's wrong here. I said, the energy's not right. Something's wrong here. And sure enough, we looked down and there was a dream catcher with a dead bird and a bunch of satanic things and witchcraft stuff in the house on one of the tables. Oh, yeah. But I felt it before I saw it. And then there was a downstairs where you go down into a, into a cellar. And the overwhelming presence of evil coming out of there was so bad that I said, I'm leaving. I'm not going down into the dark hallway. 
yeah, somebody else could go do that. I'm out. And everybody looked at me and goes, well, we're not going down there either. I said, we're out. So, well, you guys being afraid of the cat? No. You were using some sense. You know, there's certain places you don't need to go, certain things you don't need to do. Certain things on the Internet, boys and girls, you don't need to look at. Certain, I mean, I've, how many times have I told you guys? There's certain things you don't need to read. There's certain things. I'm not, I'm not talking about porn now. I'm talking about satanic stuff. You know, stay away from the porn. You guys all know that already. But the satanic stuff, you guys just, you know, you got to avoid that. Remember the other day, a few months ago, when I did that show on the Kabbalah, and they have those 15 archangels that they pray to when they're doing their little rituals with their sexual intercourse as far as their pretend sex that they're doing when they're praying to create points of light for Einsoft. Listen to that show. It's first part of January 2020. It's, it's a Kabbalah exposed. And I told you guys, I'm not going to give you the names of these 15 or 12 or whatever they are, fallen angels or archangels that they pray to. I don't want to give those entities credence. I don't want to call out their name on a national show like this. I don't want to increase their energy field. See, and this is what we have to understand as Christians. That's why the Bible says, think on the good things. Think on the things from above. You know, pray for peace, pray for joy, pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, pray for the righteous peace and joy through the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what we pray for, and that's what we dwell on, that's what we think about. You know, so many people now, especially children, basically are addicts, and they're addicts to their social media, they're addicts to TikTok, they're addicts to Instagram, they're addicts to Facebook, which though that's being phased out, and they're addicts to all of these things that their cell phone brings into their life. And what ends up happening is it's as real of an addiction as if they were alcoholics or if they were addicted to opiates. And when they don't have the access to the social media, which is their basically way of expressing their net worth and their feelings for other people because they can't communicate in most cases, they go through like a withdrawal cycle. So it's really, really important for everyone listening right now, if you've got kids if you see a child getting addicted to a phone or to social media, and if they're under the age of 18 and they're still living in your household, yoke the phone. Just yoke it. Take it away for a week. Say, look, I'm going to do this for your own good. You've got to break this cycle of addiction. You know, Sharon's brother, and I've told you this story. It's pretty personal. I don't really like talking about it, but it's, it's, it is what it is. He started using drugs. He was, it was her half-brother, about 20 years younger than her. And he started using drugs when he was very young, about 12 years of age. And about 14 years of age, he got really into it. And I warned his father. I said, you know, your son's going sideways. And Sharon's dad couldn't see it, couldn't, wouldn't believe it. He had normalcy bias. And finally, it got so bad, the kid ended up going out and getting tatted up. You know, he had one nipple that said beer, one nipple that said wine. Not joking, guys. This isn't a joke. I'm not making this stuff up. Had a mohawk haircut, you know, green hair. Ran around with his goth bracelets on and goth everything. You know, we're running around with makeup and tattoos all over his body. I mean, complete and total weirdo. I guess he was trying to get attention. I don't know. But he got heavy into drugs. And I kept telling your dad, he's on drugs, he's on drugs, he's on drugs. And finally, he overdosed on heroin. You guys, here's the thing. If you know someone's got a problem with alcohol or with drugs or with social media and they're addicted to it, and, and it's within your power, your ability, especially if they're still children, to fix it or try to help them. You got to do an intervention. You got to try to help. It's like trying to help somebody who's an alcoholic. It's very difficult. 
you know, they go through the DTs, the delirious tremors. They see all these things. They see all these, these, they start hallucinating. They get very violent. I mean, all of these things the Kabbalists use to control you. And we've got to get a hold of that. We've got to understand that. And so when Newt Gingrich goes out and he goes on Fox and he straight calls out George Soros and George Soros suddenly is said, oh, we can't talk about him. That's telling you right now that George Soros and his handler, the international banking cartels, who he worked for after he left Nazi Germany, and they funded him, and they used him as a front guy, as a cutout, that those guys are also the ones who control Fox, and there's certain things you can't talk about because it messes up the narrative. See, right now they've got the left-right paradigm going really, really strong. You know, Tucker now is slamming Facebook censorship over of Chinese virologists, and you know, and he's turning in, us into the Soviet Union. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember what I said yesterday? It's about China's coming after us. The Soviet Union's coming after us. Well, I got a newsflash for Tucker Carlson. The Soviet Union doesn't even exist anymore, in case he hadn't bothered to read the history books. It's gone. But again, the Soviet Union and the scare they put on the United States population through the Soviet Union, through programming, making us get under desks when we were little kids. I mean, I remember this. Making us get under desks in case the Soviets attacked us with a nuclear bomb, we were to get under the desk. Like, okay, first of all, what's so stupid about that is if somebody drops a bomb close to you and it's a nuclear weapon, getting under a desk isn't going to make one bit of difference. You're fixing to get vaporized or get killed by the blowback or the fallout or whatever. Getting under a desk ain't going to help in a room full of glass. Not going to help. All right? So it was so crazy, but they put that fear into us, that fear into us, into the fear. Remember, at the same time, they took the Bible out. They took the Bible, they took prayer out of the schools. So they put fear in, took the Bible out. Fear in, put the Bible out. And that's what this is. This is a right-left narrative. Donald Trump's not going to leave office. Donald Trump is going to leave office. No matter what happens with Donald Trump, we're going to have this issue. And, you know, guys, this is what they're pushing. Remember, I told you. They're going under Scorpio, and they're going under Mars for October, November. And they're going to make it as, as, as chaotic and as crazy and as militant as they possibly can, as quickly as they can. I mean, we've got about, about two months here coming up that's going to be a very interesting point in the republic of whether or not this country survives or not. I mean, it's to that level right now. I mean, these racist leftists, and I'm saying racist because everything about them is white this, white that, white this, white that, white this, white. Everything about white has to be extinguished. You know, the, the blacks from Black Lives Matter, they say the white people have white privilege and they're racist. And when they say that, they come across as the biggest racist on the block. They do. That one black girl on that airplane the other day who said she was the queen of California. You guys all saw that. I posted it on the website. She was basically saying how white people are basically going to self-extinguishing and they don't deserve to live anymore and that basically uh, their white privilege has come to an end. Just racist, 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 racist. You know, why? I probably would have said to her if I'd have been, you know, on that plane and she'd have started that mess with me, I'd have said, well, why don't you just go on back to Africa? And could you please tell me which African country you want to live in that's so perfect because you have a superior genetics, according to you, that you want to go back to? Why don't you tell me which you want to go to Ethiopia? How about Ethiopia? How about Kenya, where 95 99% of the people, some states, some parts of Kenya have 100% AIDS rate? 100%. You want to go back there? 
You want to go back to Nigeria where they're killing Christians by the hundreds of thousands? You want to go to Egypt? Oh, my gosh, Egypt. I've been there. You don't want to ever go to Egypt. That place is crazy. I've been, I've been to Egypt. What do you want to go to? South Africa, which is one of the most racist states in the world now? Where do you want to go since the United States is so bad? Now, I'm not picking on all black people here, but I'm talking to this specific girl. Why is she acting like the black race is superior to the white race? That's no better than us acting like the white race is superior to the black race. God made us all the same. We're all the same in God's eyes. We all bleed red blood. I hope. Or some of these cabals might not. Who knows what they are? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm kind of being facetious. But the reality is, guys, you know, we've got to think through what they're doing. It's the paradigm they're trying to establish for us. It's trying to make us all racist. Trying to make all the blacks racist. Trying to make all the whites racist. Trying to make everybody racist so they can break us up into segments because we're easier to control. Yeah, I had a, a friend of mine uh, who, was, who, was, who, was, who was black, and he kept coming up with this racist rhetoric all the time. Finally, I had to disassociate myself with him and block him on social media and, and block his phone numbers. I couldn't take it anymore because it was so negative because he wouldn't stop believing the paradigm. See, we're being completely and totally bombarded with constant propaganda. And we, and we need to understand that there's a really good article I posted. It's on the Washington Standard. It says, Americans are constantly being bombarded with propaganda. It says, it's, 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 it's been often said that people were shocked as they watched Nazi Germany descend into complete fascism without anybody putting up a fight. By the way, that's not true. They did put up a fight, and they got called off to concentration camps, including Christians and non-Jews and Jews and gypsies and anybody who stood against Hitler got hauled off. And now we're watching Americans do the same thing. It has a lot to do with the constant brainwashing and the propaganda being shoved on the people all day, every day, manipulating them into being compliant with anything the government commands. Since the fear-mongering of COVID-19 started, there's been nonstop beast mode propaganda everywhere. There are media puppets actively pushing big pharma's drugs and trying to convince everyone to take the coronavirus vaccine. This goes for all media outlets. Yes, that includes alt media too, guys. But not all the alt media, because we're alt media. We don't want you to take the virus, the vaccine. It's becoming too obvious to ignore unless you're willfully trying to ignore it. You know? And so this is the thing. It says, trigger warning. This video calls out right-wing propaganda pushing for the vaccine. If you just like hearing the truth about the left versus right paradigm lie, you might not want to watch. Now, guys, I'm going to post all of this stuff and make you realize that the same group that runs the world is controlling alt media. And here's how they do it. You know, the Ted Nelson Brower Show, we've got close to a million listeners now, you know, in aggregate per month. And here's the thing. If we didn't get shadow banned and blocked, we'd have 100 million listeners. I really, I believe that. I mean, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking globally because this show tells you guys the truth. And other alt-media shows that tell the truth, they get shadow banned and they get blocked. You know, Hagman's numbers are way, way down because he's been blocked and shadow banned. And see, this is the problem that happens to us. When we start talking to folks and we start telling folks the truth, our numbers either get stagnant or they go down because we're blocked and people can't find us online anymore. We don't get pushed to the top of the search engines. We get pushed to page 20 or whatever as far as the show or whatever we're talking about or whatever particular broadcast is talking about. And this is what we run into. Or you try to have people forward your show and people are so blinded by normalcy bias and propaganda that they don't want to believe what you're saying. 
When you tell a Zionist that Israel is an apartheid state and that they treat the Palestinians like they're basically trash and subhumans and that some of the Israeli snipers shoot the Palestinians and their children for sport, they go berserk. I mean, they go, they say, well, that's not true. And they go, no, this is true. Here's, here's the articles. No, it's not true. I don't believe that. You tell a Zionist that Tel Aviv is the number one homosexual destination in the world. No, that's not true. Yeah, it is. You tell them that, they don't want to believe that because they've been programmed to believe all things Israel. And that you've got to, no matter what Israel does, no matter what Israel says, you've got to support them. And we get with this propaganda. Now, Austin just covered about the propaganda that they're telling us that they're planning on doing after the election. So it's kind of like this. It's like that John Wayne movie. I'll never forget it. With his little, it was, I think his name was Ingalls in that movie. And his little grandson got kidnapped. And he basically has this shotgun on this guy who kidnapped the little boy. And he goes, if that little boy gets hurt, I don't care if it's your fault, my fault, or anybody's fault, I'm going to blow your head off. Right? That's what he says in the movie. Just, just an old John Wayne line. It's kind of like that. It doesn't matter who wins this election. We're going to blow your head off. And you're kind of like, what the heck? Well, I don't want my head blown off. You see, this is the attitude of the media right now. Newt Gingrich has a moment of clarity. Maybe it's because he's 77 years old and he realizes that maybe he's not going to live forever and he's sees the republic falling around him and he realized that he was part of that and some of the things that he did and some of the things that he said so maybe he's going to say oh by the way I'm going to go ahead and straight call George Soros out and they looked at him like a calf at a new gate and stopped the doggone interview they stopped it, you need to watch it you talk about a doggone awkward silence, it was crazy and so he said oh it's verboten, he speaks German verboten in German means forbidden you can't talk about George Soros it's verboten and the girls, you could tell, he came off the narrative, he came off the script, and they did not know what to say. And of course, now that'll get buried down in the media censorship logs almost immediately, and they'll say, oh, you can't put that online, that's Fox News, that's you can't post that online, we're going to pull your videos down, and of course they do that all the time. Yep. Guys, this is where we are right now. What do you think, Austin? Oh, you're exactly right. That's happened. I've seen that happen repeatedly where interviews and articles that are pretty much exactly that, they're not supposed to be talked about. They're not supposed to be replayed. People repost them on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, so forth, and all of a sudden they constantly get knocked down. Oh, that's copyright infringement. You're, you're reposting a Fox News article without their express permission. We're pulling it down, and you're like... Dude, I'm, it's very clear it's Fox News. I'm not taking credit for it. Everything's still completely intact. Nope, sorry, you didn't get their express permission. Bam. You're like, okay. But then obviously they don't do it with stuff that they want reposted. This is exactly what's going to start happening more and more and more. And Dad brought up something earlier. There's a video, art of, a TV, movie, whatever you want to call it. Netflix actually produced it, surprisingly enough. It appears to me that they did this to kind of show us what they're doing. It's called The Social Dilemma. You can watch it online for free. It's all over online right now. Um, I watched part of it last night. Probably watched the rest of it again tonight online. It's It'll wake you up real quick. I mean, I already knew a lot of the stuff they talk about, but again, hearing it and seeing what they're doing with it and the fact of understanding that social media has turned into a living element. 
And I'm not saying you can't have one. I'm not telling you to go delete yours right now or anything like that. Some people have gotten crazy with it. But what I am saying is understand if you do use it, there is an active algorithm on a regular basis that monitors everything you do. They even discussed it in that movie last night. You watch The Social Dilemma. I encourage you to watch it. One of the guys that was one of the main founders of Twitter, who's now, I mean, he's like gone, like doesn't want anything to do with it. He's doing this interview, and he goes, you understand. He goes, they know how long you look at a post when you're scrolling through. They can determine with almost 99% accuracy your mood when you're on social media based on what you look at, how long you look at a post before you scroll to the next one, what you like, what you comment, what you forward, what you save, everything. He goes, it's all based on a psychological algorithm. He goes, they literally can pinpoint and tell whether you're depressed, you're angry, you're mischievous, you're tired, you're basically, you know, sexually frustrated. I mean, he goes, oh, I mean, just anything. They can figure it out to a T as soon as you get back on social media if you use it on a regular basis as far as with actively, you know, going in and liking all this stuff. Now, a lot of people use it for business. A lot of people use it for marketing. They promo stuff on it. They make money with it. It's their job. So I'm not sitting here condemning you and saying you can't have a social media because we have one. I understand that. But what I am saying is, one thing about it that has gotten very, very bad is the illicit use of young children. Me personally, I think social media should be based on the same platform as like tobacco and alcohol. I really do. I think it should be one of those 18 years old in order to activate an account. There's no reason that a 13, 14, 15-year-old child needs to have a social media platform. There really isn't. And people say, oh, well, there's some kids that are making all this money on YouTube. Listen, those are the extreme anomaly that do that. And secondly, what is that doing to a lot of these kids' psyche? I know the one kid, I think he's 12 years old, right, 12, 13 years old, one of the biggest child YouTubers in the world, made, I think, $28 million last year on YouTube, 12 years old. Parents have all this stuff set up now for his trust. That's fantastic how successful he is. I got to commend him for that. He goes and reviews like toys. That's so why he reviews all these toys. People send him all these toys. He reviews them. Huge page down. But my next question is what's going to be the psychological balance and the actual long term effects on that child's psyche once he becomes an actual adult? Is he going to know how to communicate with people? Is he going to know how to actually have a meaningful relationship with a female? Is he going to know how to raise children properly? I don't know. I'm just asking you those questions. I know that young children, use of social media has become so prevalent in this country, and it's become so egregious as far as what it's done to them psychologically, especially with things like Snapchat that have like no useful purpose whatsoever, except they try to reward you just like a casino slot machine. They use the exact same platform on a lot of these social medias as they do with slot machines with giving you rewards, giving you bonuses, giving you coins, giving you hearts, giving you constant dopamine trigger. So you want, oh, I got to, I got to, I mean, I talked to a kid a while back ago. It was a younger kid. And he was discussing how he had this long streak on Snapchat. I don't even, honestly, I don't even know how to use Snapchat. Never even been on it, never even had a platform at all, period. Had no interest in having it whatsoever. But he's telling me how he had this streak on it, he had this huge score on it. And I was like, would you have you monetized it? He goes, what do you mean? Have you, have you monetized it? You know, like Instagram, you can usually use marketing. I said, YouTube, you can monetize it if you get a really big following, you're doing videos. Have you, have you at least monetized it? Well, no, it doesn't pay you anything. I said, well, how, how, how much time are you doing this? Well, you have to get on like every day and you got to use for like X amount of time and have X amount of chats with all these people and you keep having new scores. I said, 
I get it. I get what you're telling me. I said, have you monetized it? Have you built some platform, you know, where you can sell stuff or you can market stuff or you get people to send you stuff for free or you can basically get discount codes or affiliate products? Have you done anything? Well, no. No, no. It's just, it's just, it's fun. I said, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to sit on social media for hours and hours and hours and hours all day so you can get a high score to brag about a high Snapchat score that does absolutely nothing for you. Cannot make you a single penny. I said, think about this. I said, the three, four, five hours a day you're spending on Snapchat. I said, imagine if you started just going around and trying to find deals on things locally and then throwing them on eBay and selling them. I know numerous people that do that. They go find stuff at certain stores, sometimes stuff on sale. They buy purses. They can buy different items. They can buy toys. Get stuff super cheap. Turn around, throw it on eBay if it's a high-priced item. Turn around, sell it for 20 30 bucks. Paid 2 $3 for it. It doesn't sound like a lot of money. You start doing that with 20, 30, 40, 50 items a week. Shoot, you start making a couple hundred dollars a week, four, five, six hundred dollars a week, just selling stuff on eBay. I know numerous people that have done that, very successful doing it. But you've got to be active doing it. I told him, I said, dude, the amount of time you're wasting on Snapchat, I said, why don't you do something productive? I said, heck, if you're going to use social media, at least try to build a platform. I start doing YouTube videos and try to monetize it. Have YouTube pay you if that's what you want to do it. Oh, well, this and that. Had no interest in I said, wow, wow. That's the point. That's what they wanted. They gave you the social media platforms and gave people all these ideas about you can do this, you can do that, you can do this, when the vast majority of people don't even capitalize on what they even have on their fingertips. If you can use social media, use it as a tool, not a crutch. Don't use it as something that you have to rely on on a daily basis. I know a while back, it was probably six, seven months ago, I did a full pretty much electronic detox. Like for, for a month straight, I, I turned on, I disconnected all my apps, didn't have any social media, used my phone pretty much strictly for phone call businesses. That was it when I was at the office, pretty much turned my phone off when I got home at night, didn't really watch any, watch no television, used very little internet whatsoever. If I wanted to watch a movie, I'd watch like a DVD that I'd had before, like a good old, you know, action adventure movie. And I was there for 30 days. And it was interesting because I felt my, my mental you know, ability, and everything that I was involved in was much clearer. I was actually a lot frostier on most things. You know, and I still did the show. I never missed a beat on the show, so I still had to deal with things that were going on here during the day whenever I would research. But other than that, I was pretty much done with it. And I realized real quick how much happier and how much active and how much, how much more productive we are when we're not wasting so much time on the Internet. It really is true. So I encourage people, everybody, if you have kids, Understand, if they really have to use social media and they're an older adult and you know, they're a teenager, you know, whatever. But having your children with these toys and these iPads, I mean, last night when my good friends came over, brought a son with him, four-year-old son, him and Hunter have a blast. Well, Hunter and Kendall are eating. I made Kendall a bunch of food. His son had already ate right before they got there. I offered him food they didn't want to eat, so that's fine. Hunter and Kendall are eating food. I made them organic ravioli. They loved it. Chowed it down. All of a sudden, his son comes up to the table, this giant iPad. Starts watching Finding Nemo on it at the table. I said, uh, hey, bud. I said, I don't care if you watch a movie. I said, you need to go watch it on the couch, though. He's like, why? I said, because, A, we don't have movies at the dinner table. And I said, B, they're eating dinner. You're being grossly rude to them watching a movie at the dinner table. I said, that's not okay. And his dad's like, oh, yeah, well, sometimes I let him watch it and get some quiet time. I said, dude, so I'm not criticizing you. I'm not saying anything. I just said, this is my house. We're at my dinner table, and we don't have electronics at the dinner table. And I said, we definitely don't watch movies at the dinner table. And his son went on the couch, watched the movie. Got bored, 
bored after a couple minutes, then Hunter and Kendall were done, and they went back playing, acting like, you know, wild Indians for two or three hours. It was great. But it was just interesting because this has become so prevalent now with these younger children. That's why I'm bringing this up. The three, four, five, six-year-olds now, very few of them know what it means not to have electronic dopamine triggers on a regular basis. They constantly want to have an iPad or a phone in front of their face. Heck, a lot of them know how to use social media now at four, five, six years of age, which is extremely troubling to me. So all that being said, please do your best. Raise little Americans. If they want to watch a movie and they've got their room clean, you got a good clean movie that they want to watch in the room, that's fine. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But allowing them to have mobile electronics that they take with them everywhere and they use on a regular basis all under the guise of I want some peace and quiet is doing nothing, nothing positive for them. I promise you that. Trust me, it's a lot easier to send my kids and put them in front of an iPad all day long. It's super easy. Quiet. They don't bother you. don't do anything. They sit and basically just, a, just a drool on themselves and watch TV all day. It's just way easier. But is that what's best for them? No. No, guys, not what's best for them. And that's what Americans have to start looking at again. What is best for our country? What is best for our children? Instead of what is the easiest to do? What is the easiest to defer on somebody else? It's your responsibility. It's your family. It's your children. It's your health. It's their your well-being, their mental well-being. It all comes down to what you want to do. We have to start taking responsibility for our actions and our life and our family. Are we going to make mistakes? Absolutely. I've made a ton of them. Still do. Try to actively avoid them, but they still pop up occasionally. <laughs> Got to handle them when they do. Figure out the problem. Deal with it and move on. But that being said, when you know something can cause a problem, you know something causes deep psychological damage long term, as we've already seen now with social media and young, young children, you have to do the best you can to protect these little children. Once they're adults, once they're 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, there's nothing you're going to do about that point. They can go buy a cell phone, they can go get it, they can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. They're going to do whatever they want to do. But at that younger age, Guys, you've got to do the best we can, especially with these young children right now, because these young kids, these four, five, six, seven-year-olds, they are the next up-and-coming generation. They are going to be the ones that take over this country as far as are going to be the elected officials, and they're going to be the ones that are going to be writing statutes and putting things in the law. It's probably a good idea that we raise them the best we can, because I would hate to look back 20, 30 years from now and go, man... Did we have an epic fail or what in this country with the younger generation? I want to say, wow, we did the best we could and we took back our country the best we knew how to in the current situation that we were involved in. At least we did the best we knew how to do at the current time. And that's pretty much the best you can do. And putting your kids in front of an iPad for four, five, six hours a day, I promise you guys, that's not the best you can do. You can do better than that. That's my belief on that, Deb. Well, you know, also when you do that, you build hard path wiring in the brain of that child, and that wiring yeah. basically creates a dopamine trigger. That that child gets a dopamine trigger every time he gets an affirmation or something positive, or he gets a little thumbs up or whatever. And that child builds the hard wire. And it's like I told you guys a few months ago: when you have a child up to the age of seven, eight. That child's in a theta brainwave state. He thinks he's in a dream. It's like the other day, Hunter, four years old, you know, all 40 pounds of him says, I'll beat so-and-so up, talking about an adult male, right? I'll beat him up. Well, you can't, a 40-pound kid can't beat up an adult male, right? You pick him up by his ankle and walk off with him, and the kid's kicking and screaming. He can't do anything. But he, in his mind, in his theta brainwave state, he's Iron Man. 
right? He's got a little Iron Man uniform he runs around with all the time. You know, and he really sees himself as that because he's in a dream-like trance, which means that he's not dealing with functional reality. He's dreaming all the time in a theta brainwave state. So he has no filter. In other words, if you say something to him, he believes you. If you put an iPad in front of him, he can't filter it out. If someone sends him something and he's four years old and they send him a text, I guess, which they could do, and he hits the text and it goes to a porn site, he doesn't know at four he's not supposed to look at that. If they send him something else about how black lives matter and nobody else's lives matter, he starts talking about that, repeating it in his brain, and he believes it. And it's hardwired into his brain. So when he's yep. 10, 12, 14 years old and a college professor or the high school professor or whoever says something to him about Black Lives Matter, he goes, yeah, that's right. That's right. White lives don't matter. Black lives matter. And, and so from that point on, he's hardwired. This is the problem with social media for young children. It hardwires them to be an addict to social media. Just And Austin, I want to commend you for saying something to somebody else's kid at the dinner table because – I've done that before, and I've lost that relationship with those parents because they get mad at me because I'm telling their kids what to do. I mean, I've got into heated debates. They get up and walk out of the house, and we never see them again. That has happened multiple times with me. And guys, don't be like that. Ladies, don't be like that. If you screwed up and, you, and you're letting your kid do something they shouldn't ought to do, and you kind of know it, and someone says something about who's a friend, just say, yeah, you know, you're right. I'm working on that. You know, yeah, way too much social media or way too much whatever, and yeah, I'm going to work on that. But don't get defensive and say, I'm believing that. I can't believe you said this to me. No, don't do not do that. Now, if they say something really off color, okay, which I've had that happen to before, or they, okay, I'm going to get real. If they say something to your spouse, which could be construed as them hitting on your spouse, and you call them out and you get into a debate with them, chances are you need to throw them out of your home because they just hit on your spouse. I'm just, just going to mention that. okay? But you don't need to be doing stuff over little piddly stuff when you have friends. Try to help each other to raise the kids. And I've thrown people out of my house before because of people hitting on my spouse. I've done that. you got to go. you got to go right now. In fact, you need to go right now before I do something to you I don't want to do. Get out done here. You're not going to talk to my spouse like that. You see, that's what alpha males have to do. Same thing happens to a diet. You say something to a mom and you say, little kids are low overweight. You know, you probably need to cut back on the starch, cut out on the bread, cut out on the peanut butter, cut out the pizza or whatever. And they go berserk. Don't you tell me what to do with my boy. And you're like, but I'm trying to help you. This is what I do for a living. I don't care. I'm leaving and I'm leaving now. And they leave and they never talk to you again over a pizza because you said maybe you need to come back on the pizza because the kid's obese. And then 10 years later, you see the kid, and he weighs 500 pounds, and you're like, well, I tried. I tried. I mean, I had that happen to me years ago. We had we were, had the boat out on the lake. We don't have a boat anymore. We had a boat. The two happiest days of a human's life is when they buy a boater and they sell the boat. And uh, we had a kid out there, and he was really getting overweight. <laughs> and, and, and he basically, I said something to him about, oh, my gosh, did it come back with blowback on me? Because I mentioned to him about his diet, because he's, he's about eight years old. 
And I'm just being real nice to him. I wouldn't be mean. I said, you might want to cut back on this. I said, I, I went through the same thing when I was a kid. I said, I ate too many peanut butter sandwiches. I said, Greg, you kind of need to back off some of that stuff. Oh, my gosh. It was unbelievable. I mean, I got the blowback. Austin knows who I'm talking about. They live down the street from us. And I thought, what the heck, man? I'm just trying to help somebody. And I wasn't being mean. And I wasn't being ugly. But it doesn't make any difference. Sometimes parents get really mad when you try to point certain things out to them. And you get, don't, don't be like that. By the way, it, it, all the stuff from, with Newt Gingrich yesterday is hitting the whole planet. I'm going to tell you really what happened here. Stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned to Ted Brower for the next 90 seconds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out for you. This is zero hedge. Not ideal. Fox offers a non-apology to Newt Gingrich after an awkward George Soros rebuke. Fox News host Harris Faulkner. I'm not going to make a comment about her. Addressed an awkward moment on Wednesday when former House Speaker Newt Gingrich correctly pointed out that billionaire George Soros has influenced local races for district attorney around the country who have been, in turn, soft on leftist criminals causing violence and mayhem throughout the country. <laughs> Look, the number one problem with all these cities is George Soros elected left-wing anti-police people. Now, this is crazy because Gingrich then shut down and he tried to explain what he meant and they wouldn't even let him talk. You know, on Thursday, the host, Faulkner, addressed the incident, saying, So, we had a little incident on the show yesterday that was not smooth. Duh, you dumb wench. Oh, shouldn't have said I'm sorry. And when I was leading that segment, we had interruption, and I sat silently while all that played out, also not ideal. Our guest, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, who is beloved and needed to be allowed to speak with the openness and respect that this show is all about was interrupted, Faulkner and concluded and continued. Do we debate with fire here? Yes. But we must also give each other the space to express ourselves as the only original member of this six year amazing daytime ride known as Outnumbered. I especially want to rock and roll with every voice and perspective at the table. Falk ended with we don't censor on the show. What? What was that? An apology? That was like I regret having told you the truth about such and such. What the heck does that mean? Because you were a total lying sack of crap. I regret having told you that. That's not an apology. I don't even know what she's trying to say here, except for hey, you know, we don't censor anybody. When we watch them censor somebody the day before, again, she's putting out the narrative. Now get ready. I'm fixing to tell you what happened. This is ludicrous, Newt Gingrich questions the Soros cover-up. This is authored by Newt Gingrich, opt-ed via the American Mind. Okay, Newt, so Newt wrote this story now about what happened to him yesterday. And, you know, and then she goes, he goes, this happened to me personally this week while I was being interviewed. And he goes, and get ready for this. Get ready, guys. Here it comes. And this is from Newt's own mouth. Host Harris Faulkner, it seemed, was stunned by the interruptions that did her part to move the show forward after some awkward silence. The next day, she addressed a strange moment during the show and condemned censorship. Immediately after the show, here we go, Twitter and other social media went crazy. Listen, guys, here it comes. Get ready. People are alleging that any criticism of Soros' political involvement is, here it is, automatically false, anti-Semitic, or both. Now you go. Anti-Semitic. ADL, Anti-Defamation League, all over this. APAC, American Israeli Political Action Committee, all over this. Condemning Newt Gingrich comment on George Soros as Newt Gingrich being an anti-Semite. Guys, 
This is the censorship to which we have been exposed. Anytime you put the numbers on the banking cartel for who and what they are, you are an anti-Semite. And it really, it really hacks me off because it's not true. But you can't point it out because they have so ingrained because of the Holocaust and what happened in Germany that any criticism of anybody who claims to be Jewish, though George Soros worked with the Nazis and turned over his own Jews for their money to the Nazis, and then he went to work with the Bank of England with the Rothschild banking cartel because they knew he was easily compromised. Any criticism of him makes you an anti-Semite. And I can't stand that. That's like saying, well, you're a racist because you said that so-and-so was such-and-such and she's black. Well, no, she's really an idiot and she said this and I never mentioned the fact she was black. You did. But you implied she was an idiot. Well, no, I didn't imply she's an idiot. She is an idiot. And so she's stupid. And so, But I'm not saying anything about her race. You are. That doesn't matter. I know what you mean. No, it's not what I mean. I didn't say it that way. Just like he never mentioned that George Soros, who I personally believe is part of the synagogue of Satan, was Jewish. He never mentioned that on that show. He just talked about George Soros. But it has to immediately go back to anti-Semitism. And I can't stand that. Because that's how they've censored so many people on the alt-right. I mean, Paul Craig Roberts, you go to his Wikipedia page, he's, you know, they say he's an anti-Semite. Chuck Ballin, you know, he's an anti-Semite. And all these people who aren't anti-Semitic, but they just tell the truth about Israel or what's happened, all of a sudden they get labeled. Why? Because it's the fear. They're using it to make people scared, and they're using their name, the anti-Semite name. And, it's, and, 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 the, and, the, and the Israelis have said they do it, and they do it on purpose, that it's a trick. They have admitted to this. Why? Because they don't want to be called out for what they're doing. If you're shooting a Palestinian child for sport, just have fun to blow his leg off and you're laughing about it, chances are somebody needs to say you shouldn't do that. But if you say they shouldn't do that, you're an anti-Semite. That's so stupid. Get past that name-calling, guys. It's not true. Because you call out the truth doesn't mean you're an anti-Semite or anti-German or anti-Japanese you know, or anti-Russian or anti-Chinese or anti-white. Oh, yeah, let's put an anti-white, too, in there. It's all so stupid. It's all about race baiting and the divide and conquer strategy. Wow. Austin, what do you think? I'll let you close and I'll talk to you guys on Sunday or Monday. Austin's on with Hagman tonight. I love you guys. I got to pray for you this morning. And wow, what a week of shows we've had. I love you guys. Austin, finish it up. No, I, I, yes, absolutely. And I think you pretty much nailed it on the head. I mean, this is what we're starting to see here all across the board. And it's happening in multiple, multiple venues. And this is what we were always warning about. And we're actually watching it come into fruition now, which is quite troubling, to be honest with you, all the way from these COVID restrictions to an intentional collapse of the economy at the exact time. The Fed Reserve comes in and says they're going to give trillions of dollars to bail out Wall Street, trillions of dollars to bail out all these big companies that now stocks have gone through the roof, through the roof, tens of hundreds of billions of dollars now increase in net worth and stock value. All at the same time, you have tens of millions of people in the United States who've gone on unemployment. And now at the same time, we're running into this issue with work and health. 
got a lot of guys in different, you know, venues and different type of businesses that I'm friends with, and they said it's next to impossible to find a guy body right now that has good help. They said because pretty much, you know, with unemployment and extending unemployment, mostly pretty much anybody can get, you know, $600 plus a week in unemployment right now, plus, plus, plus if they have any other issues as far as with food assistance and stuff like that. They said something that's trying to find somebody, you know, you got to pay them at least like $15 an hour to get them to do anything, even if it's like, you know, standing there with a shovel helping somebody with the irrigation line or digging a ditch. And then on top of that, most of them don't even want to work for that because they can go on unemployment and make the same amount and never have to leave the house. So we're having an issue where the job sector is contracting at a rapid pace. This is what they're planning on doing. And guys, like so I said, be, be prepared for the fall. Keep stocking up on ammo and food. We got a big, big shipment of the food buckets. I just got notified earlier this morning that's coming in. So we're going to be fulfilling all those on a first-come basis. I've told everybody to put their orders in. Those are all being fulfilled first as first come, first served, the pre-order. So, again, thank you for that at healthmasters.com. Be sure to check out the website if you need anything. Magnesium three-pack special, excellent C, all types of different things on the website right now. Enjoy the Hagman Report tonight. I'm going to be on it tonight with Doug. Got some more stuff I'm working on. You guys have a blessed, safe, awesome night. Have a great weekend. Stay prepared. i got a lot of training to do this weekend. I'll tell you guys about it on Monday when we get back. And uh, continue to stay prepared and stay ready. I'll talk to you guys again on this show, Monday as always.